0: people say well I'm speaking the CEO and the CFO and I say how does that CEO think well like a CEO no were they on the marketing side of a business before they were CEO were they on the financial side of a business before they were CEO were they a CIO all these people think somewhat differently
1: it's a moving target don't inform transform
0: you have the best opportunity there is when you're in front of a stage speaking and most of us who want to win something just because we're an expert in the field doesn't mean we know how to communicate.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another night here. It's up, advisor Thursday coming to you. Bringing you a topic, you know, we're getting we're getting out of it. It's March, I guess, the 2nd. Everybody's getting out of their little light vacations. The burnout time is over. It's time to get back on track. If you haven't started marketing, you better start now. Uh, but I know that I was already marketing a brokerage business, setting up events for March. Now, we go back, Craig, we're bringing Craig on and our guest here to talk about public speaking today. But we will go back a couple of years pre-COVID. And I remember having one of the biggest events that I had with about 40 to 50 CFOs in March. And I'll talk a little bit about that event. But what I'll tell you is, is that when you get an opportunity to talk to the masses, whether it be online, whether it be, whether it be in person, you better come with your A game. You better know what you're doing. You have the best opportunity there is when you're in front of a stage speaking. There's been no other way that i have closed business faster Then speaking, it's the most powerful thing to get in front of a prospect, speaking, the credibility, the leverage that you have, uh, having customers in the room, all that. Now, it's not quick in the way of setting up the event, which we're not going to get too much into tonight. But tonight I want to talk about public speaking because you're going to have to start thinking about it again, right? We're out of COVID. People are wanting to get out of the office. So start thinking about setting up those events. Some of you advisors I know I've seen last year, I've seen you were doing some events. Your annual event for customers, you could pull and have prospects at it. Whatever you want to do, but you better schedule at least one public public speaking event um, a year, minimum. So that being said, I'm going to bring in an expert that's going to talk a little bit about public speaking. Hopefully, get you motivate you guys to get off your ass and stop being scared of speaking in front of a, other people because i know i was but you need to have an expert to help you to know what you're doing so let's bring him on peter my friend welcome to the show
0: thanks for having me john pleasure to be here
2: hey craig hey craig as always you know craig told me a couple years back hire a speaking coach uh it'll be the best investment you make and you know i had an event and i can't tell you the amount of money that i got from, from that event, it was phenomenal. It's a lot of work, but it's the most powerful thing. Would you agree, Peter, that there's nothing quite like public speaking when you know what you're doing?
0: <laughs> it's a very powerful force. Will you resonate with absolutely everybody? Of course not. But will you find people that you do resonate with and those who uh, raise their hand and say, hey, I want to do business with you? Of course you will. Very, very powerful.
2: I, I like that point is you're not going to resignate? Do you want it? You don't yeah. want to resignate with everybody, right?
0: No, no. It's it's the old saying, if you try to be everything to everyone, you're nothing to no one.
2: John,
1: John used to think I was crazy. I said, John, I don't care if 80% of the room hates me. If 20% loves me, I'm going to write some business. And, and that's all <laughs> that matters. Now, I, I don't know what your feelings are on those percentages. But I mean, it's the essence of the message is you can't be everything to everybody. No. So who cares?
0: No, you can address different parts of an audience. Like if you have in the room, you have a CEO, you have a CFO, you have, let's say, I don't know if you guys would run into this, but a CIO, CMO, they all think differently. And you, if you're in their pitching, you need to address all of them. That's when you absolutely have to do it. And each part of your presentation will take on a different persona to reach those people because they do think differently.
2: And so... You know, when, when I'm structuring when I'm structuring a talk, are you going with a certain style? Me, I'm more blunt in your face. Here's how it is: if you like me, take it. If you don't, I don't care, because people that like me are going to raise their hand and want to buy. Are you? Tr- is it most important to be be yourself? Are you trying to kind of play a certain role? Talk to me about that, because there's guys on here that they're not like me. They're not like Craig. They're not like you. They have their own style.
0: Yeah, your own style is the perfect style, unless you're offending people. But your own style, you don't want to be anybody else. You can't really be anybody else. You can try. Unless you're a great actor, it's not going to happen. Be yourself so you can continue that relationship. And that's what we're building, right? We're building relationships. So you can't, just like when you're building a personal relationship with someone you're out on a date with, if you're being someone other than yourself, at some point, it's going to come to the surface that the, they're not the person, you're not the person they think you are. And
2: that's yeah, not you, good. Yeah. You've got to, that <laughs> will definitely come out at some point. And I was just I, thinking if
1: I had to be the, the person that I was, you know, t- when I was dating, I, I was 17. I sure wouldn't want to act like a 17 year old.
2: And so, and so when you're, let me ask you this, when you're crafting your message, right. and, I always obviously storytelling, right? Everybody remembers stories. People don't remember numbers. How are you trying to formulate stories? There's a special way to do it where you're trying to come up with stories and kind of parlay it into what you do for a living and what you're trying to pitch to them. Like, what's the balance there in, the, in, in that in that talk? How, much, how often are we doing storytelling?
0: Well, it depends on the length of the presentation. You don't want story after story after story. That sounds too contri- contrived sometimes, but it doesn't mean you can't have a c- couple of short anecdotes in there as well. But when people make the mistake of procrastinating and not putting a presentation together for that particular audience in that particular situation, and they wait till the last minute, they don't have that luxury of accumulating stories you can hear stories on the news while you're in the car you can see them on television you can ask your significant other hey when was i involved in something like this they remember those things about us where we might not and i I turn to my wife all the time and say well i need something for this and i want it to be something i was involved with so i can give a firsthand account of it and she'll say well how how can you not think of abc like oh my god you're right So accumulate stories even before you present, even before you have someone to go present to, because you can always go back to that file and say, which one's the best one here?
2: Yeah, I mean, when I was doing my talk, I would always think of ideas and I have them in my notes in my my phone and I would just kind of try to think of ideas that I could use later and I would build slides And then I would go back and I'd put them all together and try to put it in some story in some form where it actually makes sense. But I like your point and we have the tendency to wait till last minute. Now with this show, we've gotten really good where you've done it so many times you can kind of put things together last minute just because you do it so often. But when you're public speaking, guys, we don't do it often. We're not Tony Robbins. We're not going speaking three days a week here. So, Do not wing it or you will look bad. I mean, how many, everybody out here has been in a room and felt uncomfortable because the public speaker was terrible or what he was talking about was terrible. He's going through a PowerPoint and reading off bullets, which leads (laughs) me to the next point. PowerPoint slides or no slides? That's the question.
0: I don't use very many. I speak generally anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes and I'll use two slides maybe if I use any. Wow. But that doesn't mean you can't have, A hundred slides. It's what fits that particular presentation. But here's what everybody has to remember. There is no such thing as a PowerPoint presentation. That term should be abolished. It's not presenting a thing. They're nothing but dumb slide decks. And when I mean dumb, meaning they're not presenting. You're the presenter. The slides are there to foster and support the point you're making at that time. That's it. They're not to be read off of. They're not to have bullet after bullet after bullet. Because if it's going to have all that text, what do we need the presenter for? Just send me a PDF.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a leave behind. I, I love when you get in a room. Well, I shouldn't say I love I, I laugh when you get in a room and they're just reading bullet by bullet. Now, yeah. you know, for most of you, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, you can use it as a guide to where you want to go. Sometimes what I will use is certain pictures or certain things for, for the point or the story that I want to make. Um, We're not professionals of public speaking. I don't think anybody on here will ever be phenomenal unless they go into that field because we just don't do it often enough. So what I use, what I use the PowerPoint and I work through it and I kept trimming it and always trim, 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 trim it down and use as little as possible. But like you said, maybe a picture to make a point and to remember the story and then, You know, one of my coaches taught me to have a set list. We talk about bands, guitar playing in the back. When a band plays, they have what's called a set list of the songs they're going to play. And so basically what he taught me is is have a set list of the points to where those points, you know, those bullets, you get lost. You can look down in a split second and go right back to where you want to go. And that's where you can kind of use the slides as well. Would you agree?
0: As long as you don't rely on them, because here's the problem. What happens when they go down? Yep. You're standing in front of the C-suite, and the television doesn't jive with your computer. I had this happen to me last June. I was presenting at an association's annual conference, and I went up, and what they didn't know was someone crimped the HDMI cable, and my computer couldn't get the signal to the screens. Now, again, I only had a couple of slides. It didn't make that much of a difference, But what if I had been relying on those slides or five slides or ten slides? I it ended up we couldn't use my computer or the TV. So what happens if you're relying on the slides and that happens?
2: And and so that's where I think that 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 kind of that set list sheet that you could bring with you You is. You better know your material cold. Yeah. I mean You're supposed to
0: be the expert in the room. What's that? The speaker is supposed to be the expert in the room, the presenter, the salesperson. They're the expert in the room.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: One of the problems with that being the expert in the room, actually, John, is a lot of people say, I know what I'm talking about, and I have the guts to get up there and do it, so I'm fine. I can wing it. Well, just because you know what you're talking about doesn't mean you know how to start a presentation. doesn't mean you know how to end it in a compelling fashion. That's what you have to learn. It doesn't mean you're a good storyteller yet. You've got to become a better storyteller. And if you'll indulge me for a minute, I'll tell you a quick story about someone who did just this. I was out in the West Coast, on the West Coast, at a conference, three-day conference. And it's the first day of the conference. I'm getting a coffee, and I just want to go sit down and listen to the guy who's going to open it. And I, a gentleman, gentleman to my right who's also getting a coffee looks at me and says, I don't need you. I said, what? And he said, he says, I don't need you. And I said, you have me at a loss. I I don't know what you're speaking about. And he said, well, I'm looking at your name badge, and it says you're a public speaking coach. And I said, yes, I am. He said, I don't need you. I'm I'm an excellent speaker. And I said, I'm sure you are. He goes, and I've never taken a lesson. I said, well, there are some people who are naturally good at it. Most of us aren't. But there are three-year-olds who can play Mozart on a piano, too, but not most three-year-olds. So it happens. Good for you. And he says, yep, you know why I'm good? No clue. Because I have the guts to get up in front of people, and I know what I want to say. Well, John and Craig, when I got out of school for nine years, I worked for one of the world's best-known brands, and it happens to be a Japanese brand. And I got to know a few Japanese words. They have a word when you know exactly what you want to say, and you have the guts to get up in front of people. Do either of you guys know what that word is? No. Karaoke. <laughs> karaoke. Right? That's knowing the words. And you got the guts, whether whether it took alcohol to give you the guts. Yes. Liquid right? courage, baby. Right. Liquid courage. And how good is karaoke 90% of the time? It's, it's terrible. Right? Unless your audience has had three beers and a shot, you're awful. And most of us who want to wing something just because we're an expert in the field, Does't mean we know how to communicate. We're probably not connecting and engaging that audience as well as we think we can. All we're doing is vomiting information on
1: them. Yeah. Are you a fan of uh, are you a big fan of if you had to pick one or the other, big start or big finish? Yes. <laughs> if you don't you grab like them
0: I at do. the beginning, man, it's a tough road if yeah. you don't have their attention at the beginning. But nothing is more important than the ending.
2: Start with fire, end with fire.
0: Think start of a movie. Fire, Think baby. of a, a James Bond movie. How does that start? Huge. Huge. Right? Two minutes. They don't run any, you know, uh, universal film directed yeah. by. They don't run any of that in the modern James Bond. They have it for years. They get right into it, which is awesome. And it's huge. And how does it end? Huge. If it didn't have a big ending. It would just fizzle out at the end. It wouldn't be great. If they didn't capture you right at the beginning, they have the chance of you, if you're at home, changing the channel, getting up, going to the bathroom, get making a sandwich, whatever. Yeah. They lose the audience. They lose that engagement.
2: And is telling the story, what is, what is a good way to have a fiery beginning or end? Is there any specific strategy um, that you can utilize to connect with your audience right out the gate? Because, you, you know, you don't do it, you lose them. Right. You know, attention span is not very long anymore.
0: There are numerous ways to engage people. Two fairly easy ones are a question. When you ask a question, the human brain will answer it, even if it's a rhetorical question. If, If you guys heard someone outside your office talking and someone said, hey, what's your favorite movie? And you happen to overhear that. You know what you're going to do? Think, think to about... yourself, what's my favorite movie? <laughs> Ask a question. It engages people. It's almost impossible not to be engaged. And then if you tell a story, same thing. We learn by stories. Stories are key. We le- we hear stories when we're five and we remember them for the rest of our lives. Now, it- exactly? No. But well enough.
2: Yeah, well enough. That's for sure. I've heard people say, you know, tell stories about yourself. I mean... Is that does that make sense? Is it overdrawn sometimes? I mean, because I've heard people get up and tell their life story at a speaking event for 15 minutes. And yeah, I mean, and, and I'm not I'm nobody. Knows. About, I'm talking about a professional speaker that we had to speak and we had to tell him not. Actually, Margo reminded me to ask him not to, to tell his life story, which he normally does at speaking events. because people already know the story and get right to it.
0: There was one person who wanted to know my life story. And that was my mother. She'd be the only one to pay any attention if I were talking about my life story. And she's dead. So there's no one left on this planet that wants to hear my life story. They want, just like any other consumer, and that's exactly what an audience is. They're consuming what you're delivering. Any consumer wants to get what's good for them. Now, I could tell a part of my story as long as the moral of that story benefits the listener. If I tell a part of my story that just, hey, look how great I am, which way too many salespeople do, look how great I am, look how great my company is, you know, I, I have an analogy for that in a second. But when that happens, then we lose. and we wonder why we lose. I went and I, I spoke so well, I was so prepped, you didn't engage them. You, you didn't give them what's for them. The analogy of that, back to dating, Craig, You guys have gone on dates in your lifetime. If the other person did nothing but talk about themselves, the whole evening—say, let's over over dinner—was there a second date?
1: That's a John question, right? No, there's no (laughs)
0: second date. If I went on a date and when I met my wife and all I did was talk about me, I never would have seen this woman again.
2: Yeah, that—that's what—that's my strategy when I get on a date and I meet him and I don't like him. I talk Talk about about myself for 45 minutes straight. And the, I, and, the, and the date goes really fast. That, so, yeah, talk don't about you have yourself. a call
1: buddy who can barely.
2: I gotta get back and feed my dog, and that that's my strategy.
1: So oh, yeah.
0: we're trying to build relationships when we get into a selling situation. And to make it about us, even my company's been around for 89 years, we have this, this, and this, and this. If that doesn't mean anything, you know, I always say, so you've been yeah. around 89 years, congratulations you know, what does that mean about today? I mean, someone had staying power for a long time doesn't mean how you're doing today. So what's yeah. the benefit in that statement for me? Often the, as the listener, often not much. Speak to the listener.
2: And so you, you mentioned talking to multiple audiences. Um, you know, in our world, a lot of times there may be one or two players, but, I you know, we did ones for CFO. Is there a way to kind of strategize, my, my strategy was with utilizing what I learned from Craig was talking more their language. So how do I use their terms and convey, you know, the benefits into their terms more say? Is that, does that make sense to you?
0: You can do it that way. There's nothing wrong with doing it that way. You can also try to do just the opposite. If we just speak plain English, most of us will understand what you're saying sometimes when we start to try to use words and terms and other things that we're not as familiar with that they are, then they see that we're trying, and they might even give us credit for that. But I'd rather just use plain language as long as they understand the benefit to them. Now, a CFO is one thing. We know, painting with a broad brush here, how CFOs think. And people say, well, I'm speaking to the CEO and the CFO. And I say, how does that CEO think? Well, like a CEO. No. Were they on the marketing side of a business before they were the CEO? Were they on the financial side of a business before they were CEO? Were they a CIO? All these people think somewhat differently. Now, they have very much the same responsibility when they get to that level. But how does that particular person think? And that's where the research comes in.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I know in my- Very perspicacious commentary. I, I like that. Uh, I, I did that without even realizing it. I, it just happened to, you know, some of the guys I knew that were at this CFO group and the CFO event I spoke at, he happened to be, I saw on his LinkedIn, he was a, he was an insurance underwriter before. So of course, I called out on him. But, you know, that's where you can kind of get personalized with these guys. I you know, that's why, you know, the speaking events, I try to put the name tag things in front. So obviously you can remember the names and try to remember their names and companies and things, what they did prior. If You know, who's coming to the event. which Hopefully you, you have somewhat of an idea. And, LinkedIn and really
1: of- helpful for that when you're going to do a Zoom call, Teams call. And you t- it turns out I can tell you numerous times that the VP of HR used to be on the consulting side at one time in their career. And they, you know, they went from the dark side to the to the employer side.
2: There you go.
0: That's what you want to know. You want to know as much about your audience as you possibly can.
2: What else could you tell us? A couple points on maybe putting together the presentation, anything specific. We are the expert, but I think I know I do sometimes as I get tied up into, you know, my, we get tied up in jargon, right? We start saying things and, God damn, Craig, it sounds so good, doesn't it? That was great. And then you ask your insurance buddy and you go, oh, that sounds good. To a normal person, it sounds terrible. They have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Don't ever use jargon or acronyms or initials unless you know 100% of the audience understands that. Now, odds are the 100% of the audience does not, and you can help with that. You can say the longhand, whatever the words are, and say also known as XYZ. Now you can use XYZ for as the shorthand for the rest of the presentation. But you don't want to just use jargon because that has people feeling inferior if they don't know. It's like, oh, everybody else here knows it, but I don't. You know, I'm not fitting in well. So that's stuff you try not to do, and we do it by default quite often because we want to show, I know you guys. Well, that's not the way you want to go about it necessarily. There's other ways to do things. But in prepping for your event, You get to know your audience. And a lot of people say, yeah, but they're just the same type people I always speak to. Well, they may be. But I want to know, how many naysayers do you have in that audience? How many people are there because they have to be there? How many people are enthused? I want to know that. That makes a difference on how I present. And how do you find that out? You ask.
2: Interesting. Just do a little research. I never thought of that. That's an interesting point. Uh,
0: Well, let me... I don't mean to inter- interrupt you, John, but I know when I speak to my wife, who's my best friend and has been for over 30 years, but we're still human beings. And I know when I can say certain things and when I can't. If she's coming home from work tired and she owns her own business, if she comes home after a long day tired, I'm not bringing up trivial things. It's just not the time to do it. You have, But other days I can do that. And the point here is, people go, well, it's the same people all the time. Well, that might be. But the situation changes on a daily basis. Their needs, their wants, their obstacles and challenges might change on a, on a certain basis. That's what you need to know. You have to know your audience so well. Otherwise, how do you present to them in a way that not only benefits them, but transforms them? And that's what you do as a speaker. You transform someone. If you don't, and I'll ask you two guys this, and your listeners, I'll ask everybody. Ever been to a meeting, 60-minute meeting, you walk out and you think to yourself, I will never, ever get that time back in my life. Why couldn't Peter put that on a PDF and just emailed it to us? That's because you guys left that meeting no differently than you went in. It was a waste of time. You don't speak to inform. You speak to transform. And if you don't know your audience and where they are, you can't bring them somewhere else. You can't transform them. And that's when it's a waste of time, everybody's time. And that's an unfortunate situation.
2: I like it. I like it. Well, we're about to close out here in a few minutes. But being an Italian guy, I'm Italian. We like to talk with our hands. How important is that? (laughs)
1: you More know, than moving you around
2: ever. and versus just talking, you know, Mo- just standing in one spot behind a Should podium. Should you hide now. behind
1: the pedestal? The,
0: uh, the, lectern, no. the lectern? No, get out from behind that. It's called a lectern for a reason. I know most people call it a podium. It's not a podium. What you stand on is a podium. But the lectern, it's named that because that's where you lecture from, and no one wants to be lectured to. Get out from behind that thing. If you were to... want to be more intimate with people, which we do as a speaker. We want to be intimate with our audiences. If you want to be intimate with someone, you don't have a piece of furniture between the two of you. Get that out from between you. So move around pacing? No. Moving around for a purpose? Yes. So you'd have to justify why you're moving. But back to your hands, John. I like We said at the beginning i'm italian too i know my last name is george i know i don't look italian the rest of my family does (laughs) uh but my last name is actually Giosa. so speaking with your hands right italian and some other ethnicities will say tie our hands together we can't talk Mm -hmm. speak with your hands long before human beings had a language of any type we spoke with our hands people want to see your hands move The greatest number, the highest engagement of TEDx talks and TED talks, those viewed the most and liked the most, have the most hand movement as well. They did a study. It has the highest ranking hand movements. The least engaged have the lowest number of hand movements.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Hey, it's a a moving target. I really like your, that resonates with me. Don't inform, transform. Yeah. because I talk about transformation all the time when, uh, you know, people are so habituated, you know, they say the same things. I mean, have you ever met somebody and go, Hey, how are you? And they're already answering you, assuming you were going to ask them, um, right. you know? And so they say, wow, that was really interesting. And I, you know, I'm usually a little prickly and I'm like, well, <laughs> okay, well, such and such is interesting. This is actually transformational. So let's, let's unpack this a little bit. And so I think it's really important for people to realize
2: Yeah, it's all about taking
1: parts of your audience to a different place so they can really glean something from it that they can use.
0: Exactly. And the last thing you want to be, and this is unfortunately what a lot of us do when we get up in front of people, especially if we're pitching or have an event or something, is we want to look like the expert. We want to look like the hero. And that's not your place. No one hires a hero. When we go somewhere, whether we, we have to purchase a ticket or just show up, whatever it might be, we want to be the hero when we have a company where you're selling your services to we want to be the hero we don't want you to be the hero you're the you're the supplier we want you yeah. to make us the hero so always We're remember you're You're the guide, you are, the guide. You're, you're the guide you're yoda you know go to star wars when you it, think about star wars the the hero of the movie was a dumb farm boy dumb in the way that he didn't know what he was doing who didn't know about the force who didn't know what he had inside him he needed a mentor mentor first obi-wan and then yoda yoda was 900 years old had the most powerful force he wasn't the hero of the movie he was the guide we're the guide remember that we are not the hero don't try to be the hero
2: i like it i like it um any final thoughts here craig
1: that was a strong ending right there. Oh, somebody said, "How do you how do you eliminate filler it. words I, like I, so, I, I, okay, I right?" For a well, you just have to practice.
2: Filler words, pra- Peter.
1: Practice your talk so you don't say um between every sentence because you're unconscious. Most people most speakers are unconscious about making those little sound effects. Yeah. And, it, and so you got to record yourself.
0: Exactly, we are. And once you start doing that, you be you start to recognize you use them. But unless you record yourself or someone counts them for you, You don't realize it. I watched a professor, I was at an event not too long ago, and 317 ums. (laughs) So it it gets monotonous. And what the ums do, the fillers, the reason they bother so much, I just gave you something to think about, and now while you're thinking, I say um, which interrupts your train of thought. I might as well be scratching my nails down a blackboard. Stop, try to stop saying that. Just pause. The greatest thing you'll ever say is nothing.
2: Silence. Pause. Learn yeah, there's almost
1: pause. nothing better than a pause to to make an inflection on whatever the point you're trying to make. Pause before you make it. Pause before and
0: pause after because once you make that point to me, I have to have time to process it and digest it. And if you keep talking, I don't have that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Peter, tell our audience where they can find you and find out more about your work.
0: Easiest way to find out about me, my new book, is go to PeterGeorgePublicSpeaking.com.
2: Is that it right there in the back? Captivating Public Speaker.
0: Captivating Public Speaker. speaker. It's already won a couple of awards. It's up for several more. Uh, So uh, just found out from London last night that it's in the running in the finals for another award. So I'm pretty proud
2: of it. Excellent. Congratulations. Uh, Check them out. Thanks for joining us. As always, uh we'll see you next week. Same place, same time, Thursday, eight PM Eastern. No, seven PM. We changed new time, seven PM Eastern, four PM Pacific. Thanks so much. <laughs>